This is the Amner Martinez Podcast. Welcome to the Amner Martinez Podcast. My name is Amner Martinez, and I will be your host. I am an immigrant from the country of Guatemala, and I've been living in Iowa since 1995. My professional background is in the staffing and recruiting industry, and I have been heavily involved in the local entertainment scene for the last 12 years. In this podcast, I will be sharing conversations with local people in entertainment, business, sports, nonprofits, food, arts, and culture. So stick around for some great conversations. All right. Yo no sé por qué mi cuerpo cambia de algún día. Why? <laughs> Why? What the fuck is that? It's quinceañera, wey. Yeah, a, I know what a, it is. It's a Why are you doing it? It's our 50th episode. Huh? Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> uh, uh, screw you. Anyways, yeah. so Mike Draper, the mastermind of Ray Gun, came by. He came in. He opened up about you know the beginnings of uh, Ray Gun and uh, his uh, opinions on a bunch of stuff. We talked about censorship. We talked about politics. Um, the Dave Chappelle special, you know, on on what's too funny, intent, and you know what's uh, that's what we we're talking about last week. Yeah, yeah, like what's too far, you know, like we talked about like w- how far is too far, and how they, you know, at Reagan they have this balancing act of yeah, where they have that line, like where's yeah. the line? We talked or... about comedy too because I, I mean. I asked him, you know, do you think that you're in in the comedy business, in the humor business, or do you think it's in the show business? So his answer is pretty interesting because, you know, he'll explain it on the podcast. But, um, but yeah, he's he, we kind of went down the gauntlet on all the candidates, most of them at least, at least the front runners, and what his what his take is on on the current you know candidates that are running, and we talked about white privilege. Um, so uh, very, very intense. Yeah, and extremely funny. I mean, this guy is legit funny. So that's why nice. his his store is successful because he, you know, he's a funny dude. Yeah, and it's the greatest store in the universe. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I like I it like, that. He I feel like there may be stores <laughs> in like other planets <laughs> that may that may want to maybe challenge like, that. You know, just like a little bit better, <laughs> a little butthurt yeah. about it. They might have like a butler in yeah. the bathroom. <laughs> I I like that that uh, they don't take themselves very seriously, and I think that's what irks people. Is that a word? Irks. I don't know. Irk. I don't know. That's I'm like ESL. <laughs> I'm ESL as fuck. ESL as fuck. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's entertaining. Uh, if uh, if you know Mike. Hopefully this will give you another insight on uh, on his thoughts and his outlook in the life of an Iowan. Iowan? Yeah. Anyways, this is Mike Draper, episode 15. Let's go.
Okay. Yeah, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I used to record a lot of music in college, and you oftentimes have to just start like playing the type of music that matches the equipment. So yeah. I kind of had to play just like stripped down punk rock so that you wouldn't quite notice that the equipment was so shitty. So run <laughs> so you you're a musician too then? Uh, uh yeah, a little bit. I play lots of stuff mediocrely. So <laughs> I was I was in a lot of bands and my main role uh, was like writing the song. So like okay. lyricist and then I would play whatever anybody else couldn't like whatever anybody else didn't want to play. So the sure. band I was in the longest I did you know, sang all the songs and then played bass. But two of the guys in the band could actually play bass better than me. They were just playing other instruments like guitar okay. and drums. So okay. yeah, it's more, it was always more just for like fun and entertainment. My first high school band, the guy was like, all right, well people either go to see musicians who are like really good at music mm-hmm. or are entertaining. And we are not really good at music. <laughs> so we're going to have to go with entertaining. And a lot of the store even kind of comes out of, some of the like kernels of where the store comes from actually were those mm-hmm. like days playing music, like figuring out what was going to get people to like come out to a show yeah. and stay at a show. And it's where that, is this? Where did you go to college? I grew up. So I grew up right outside Des Moines in Van Meter. So my first band was with two guys from Van Meter. Uh-huh. And then I went to the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia for college. Okay. So the band there, it was a music major from Penn and then a guitarist from the Philadelphia School of Music. So two real heavy hitters. And then I lived in the UK for a year and played okay. some music over there. So it was in just a two person band. I see. So so you wrote. So is that kind of I guess, you know, you're known for, you know, owning Ray Gun, studying Ray Gun. When did that start? Like what do you remember your first shirt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the the very first shirt was uh, it just said not Penn State and it was an inside joke at Penn's not campus because you'll you'll say like oh I go to U Penn mm-hmm. people are like oh Penn State and you're like oh no it's oh. a totally different school and it's like uh, soul crushing for kids at Penn because if they're at Penn they already like didn't get into Yale uh-huh. and so Penn is like this second tier Ivy League school. <laughs> And so then to have it confused with a Big Ten school, like, defeats the whole purpose of being at an Ivy League school. Like, nobody goes to an Ivy League school to learn more. They don't have, like, better books. Like, I studied history at Penn, which you just read. (laughs) You don't have, like, secret textbooks at Penn that tell you who actually started the First World War. Mm -hmm. It always reminds me of Goodwill Hunting, where he says... He's talking to like the guys in the Cambridge bar who go to Harvard and he's like, you know, right. one day you're going to wake up and realize something. You spent $150,000 in an education. You could have gotten in $13 uh. worth of late fees from the public library <laughs> and studying history at Penn is kind of like that. But anyway, my freshman year, I get to Penn and there's a store that sells not Penn State t-shirts mm-hmm. and uh, they, I bought one, obviously like everybody who, mm-hmm. when you got to school, you just go buy one of these shirts and that store went out of business like my junior year and so my senior year all the juniors and seniors had not penn state t-shirts and there was nowhere else to buy them on campus so when you would wear this shirt walking around kids would be like oh where did you get that shirt you're like it's the store and it closed oh if somebody sold those shirts i would buy it okay and so a friend of mine who was in my fraternity said well why don't we just take that shirt to a screen printer make like a hundred of them and we'll just stand on the middle of campus and sell these t-shirts and so that's what we did we went to a screen printer 
like in West Philly, mm-hmm. got a hundred shirts and just stood uh, in the middle of campus and sold the shirts like out of a box. Sold, you know, through the first hundred pretty quickly, got like another hundred shirts, sold those, and then just kept selling them through that spring. <laughs> and the thing that we heard most often, like several times a day, were other juniors and seniors who were like, oh my God, my friends and I had this exact same idea. Oh. So I always kind of like that story because um, it's telling for several reasons. One, our initial idea wasn't even our idea. <laughs> I mean, it was a joke that was 40 years old on Penn's yeah. campus. Yeah. Lots of people had made these shirts before. And we weren't even the only ones that thought about it. It yeah. was this. It was in the ether. We were just the two guys that rounded up like $300 to go get the shirts and stand out and like sell them. But I had kind of this like light bulb moment of, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Okay. And it, it sounds odd to be... Was that like... Quickly, I guess that was one of my questions. Like, was there a moment where you're like, hmm, this is something? Yeah, within that first week, it was really? like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. And so um, I was like two months away from graduation and was like, well, I guess I'll finish school. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm already here. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not that much work. <laughs> but I started like designing shirts while I was there. Like, okay. I just kind of ran out the clock. And then for the six months after I graduated, I just sold t-shirts out east pretty much. So I would, I had, you know, had no fixed address essentially. I stayed in the basement of my old fraternity for a while mm-hmm. um, on an air mattress that wasn't even mine. I I like borrowed the air mattress from somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I would go stay with friends in other cities. So if I was in uh, like Boston, I'd just stay with a friend in Boston and sure. sell t-shirts like outside of BU or Harvard. Oh, and okay. I'd sell t-shirts in New York on Times Square, Union but, Square. But like, did they have to say something, did they say something about that city or, or oh, yeah. so we Yeah. So I would do, um, like if I was at Columbia University, you would, uh, do a shirt for Columbia. So it was actually, I did Columbia's logo, but it was spelled Columbia, <laughs> which the kids up there like got a real kick out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense outside of. <laughs> And I still like wearing that shirt around. So people are that like, did you go to wh- Columbia? And it's like, no, I've actually never been to Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, you know, it sounds like one of these like, oh, no shit things. Mm-hmm. But the shirts that would sell best were always shirts about wherever I was. So okay. if I would go to Harvard, a shirt about Harvard would be funny. If I were mm-hmm. in New York, uh, like something about New York would be funny. And so over those months, I had, you know, a lot of time to think. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I would, you know, you stand outside for six hours just selling T-shirts. And then, you know, whoever you're staying with probably has a job. They may not be home until like nine. So you'd like kill time at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I spent tons of time in Starbucks for several reasons. One, in New York, especially Starbucks are like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you can look down Broadway at one point and see three Starbucks. Um, and then two, they always had water. Like in the old days, there'd be like a pitcher of water. And three, I didn't feel bad. They had a bathroom. It was three. And then four, mm-hmm. I didn't feel bad about sitting in a Starbucks, not buying anything. Yeah. Because I was yeah, like, yeah. Starbucks, like you can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can afford it. You can afford me. <laughs> I was like one of those bathroom pioneers before, like all this like modern, where now you can like you can uh, you can buy use their bathroom, no questions asked. Yeah. The... But if you're kind of like um you know semi preppy white guy near Columbia sitting in a Starbucks, nobody's gonna hassle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just they're like, welcome, sir. Yeah. Um, nobody's calling the police on me. <laughs> And so I would sit there and think about, you know, what I wanted the company to be. And I kind of wanted to start printing the shirts myself and I needed a niche market. 
And Where's it had the to timeline be, from the no, not Penn State to this, this point? This is what, about like long? six months later. So okay. this is like fall, winter of 2004. So I had graduated that spring, had started selling T-shirts that spring. And so I'm kind of thinking about, you know, what would be a good niche market? Mm -hmm. Could I start printing the stuff myself? And I bumped into a friend of mine from Des Moines out in New York. And she's like, oh, you know what you should do? You should move back to Des Moines and put a store on the east side. Like my dad said that they're like renovating all these buildings by the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And I think something like this could do. And it's like you get the advice at the right place at the right time. Because sure. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go do exactly that. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, all yeah. the pieces kind of fell in place. And Was there another city that you considered not really i mean because um yeah i could only get free rent from my parents in one city <laughs> <laughs> and so there were a couple of things that played into it was oh i could just like move back into my house yeah a buddy of mine from high school his dad had a screen printing shop in like the pole barn behind his house by van meter and so my thinking was i'll just like go back I'll learn how to screen print from this dude's dad. Yeah. And so I'll work in that screen printing shop. I can set up a little screen printing shop in my parents' basement. I'll find like some space to open a store. Okay. And then my wheelhouse is going to be like shirts about Des Moines. Like Des Moines is going to be my niche market. Okay. And so it, you think back on it and you kind of think, oh, this was at like the forefront of like local beer, local food, mm -hmm. farmer's market. So this is around 2005. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of makes sense of why like the store has taken off since sure. then. But at the time, uh, somebody moving back to Des Moines from Philly with a history degree, no retail experience, mm -hmm. no design experience, no business experience yeah. or family connections. Yeah. And my plan was to open a t-shirt shop whose wheelhouse was going to be ultra positive slogans about Des Moines, <laughs> not investors lined up around the corner. Like yeah. I couldn't even get friends of mine from high school to like partner in the company with yeah. me. I'm like, Hey man, do you want to like, do you want to own part of this company? Like, I don't really see it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a good thing going here at fairway. Um, and so that was, yeah, I moved back in with my parents in 2005 and opened the original store at East 4th and Locust in September of 2005. And back then it was like, it was just me. So what was the, is there another shirt that took took the store popularity to another level? Is there a specific Oh, I wish. Shirt or was the uh, We've never I'm had. I'm trying to go down your greatest hits. Yeah, we've never had <laughs> like, a, like a viral hit, but we some of the stuff that we still sell is from that like very first year. So um, Des Moines Hell Yes was really early mm -hmm. on. Iowa Wave the Next Time You Fly Over. Des Moines Let Us Exceed Your Already Low Expectations <laughs> is, I mean, possibly my favorite Des Moines slogan. Okay. The, the CVB has never, you know, taken me up on using that as like the official slogan. <laughs> There's like a tinge of sadness Let to it. Let us exceed your already. Yeah, because you'd have people who would come into the store and they're like, oh man, I'm in town from Boston for a wedding. You know, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm, a, I'm having a pretty good time. <laughs> That's a compliment. Yeah, and you're like, oh, thanks. I mean, I live here, but it's also not as bad as I thought it was going to be either. When I was born here in Des Moines, I was like, oh, you know what? Not that Could bad. be Akron. <laughs> and so it's um, there were a couple of those that... I mean, those three especially kind of showed that, like, not only was, like, the humor there, like, mm -hmm. the voice was coming into it, but that there was, like, a market for it. Yeah. So, it's not that um, I, like, discovered Des Moines jokes or 
like nobody had a sense of humor here before yeah. and I made them have a sense of humor. You know, a good idea is always one where people are like, you know what? I was thinking the exact same yeah. thing. And so the thing I had had a hunch about was that people in Des Moines had a much better sense of humor than even people in Des Moines give each other credit for. Right, right. Like we would often dumb down design for us. (laughs) And we still have this like confidence problem of people who are from here come into the store and are like, I mean, you must sell a lot online. Mm Because in the back of their mind, it's like, no way could the city support a store this big. You're like, no, the city is great for business and people... Mm -hmm you know, get a lot more than we like give them credit for. And so those initial shirts with this, you know, it was positive, but at the same time, the humor was built into it. Like Des Moines, hell yes. The it's... cat, the cat also kind of, yeah. And the cat, a... well, the cat came later. Um, in the beginning, it was pretty much all words because I'm right. not a designer. So it was like even drawing a cat was slightly beyond <laughs> my ability. And the cat kind of came, Jen Leatherby, who's now like the head designer, but when mm-hmm. she was at the store, I remember she drew the cat, but I can't even remember mm-hmm. when that was. And I, I was never really like sold on the cat um, <laughs> in general. But it's it's one of those things of like when you're in business, you know, it's not just like art. Like if you want to make art, like stay home, make art. Yeah, Don't yeah, show yeah, it to yeah. anybody. Once you show it to somebody, then other people's opinions start kind of entering into your art. And then once you sell it, well, now you're in like the business of art. And it's like that with humor. Most people who tell jokes are like, oh, this joke is great. I love it. I would never get rid of this joke. And then they, you know, pitch it to a group of people. And if nobody laughs, you're just like, all right, fuck that joke. (laughs) I never liked that joke. And so it's kind of like that with like the cat. I never was really all that into it, but the fact that people buy it make me think like, oh, I love this guy. Yeah, let's let's work him into the storyline. Yeah, it's like that with tie dye. I've always I've never liked tie dye for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and um, but now tie dye is like really making a big comeback. Oh yeah, it was uh, when was the like uh, in the nineties. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think kind of, of like, like the 60s. Yeah, no? so the 60s would have been kind of the start of tie dye, maybe. So it's like the hippie movement, and mm-hmm. then you would have had like a little bit of a resurgence in like the 90s with, right. I guess, like jam bands, like yeah. Fish and Widespread Panic. But for whatever reason, just your run of the mill, uh, you know, young urban professionals are wearing tie dye again. <laughs> and so I've I had, like was never thought we'd have tie dye in the store, but now that people buy it, it's like yeah. yeah I, Stick everything so, on tie-dye. Um, so do you think you're in the humor, comedy, or shirt business? Yeah, that's... It, when you're in the store, it's obviously... People are like, so it's a t-shirt shop? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much more than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty much, it's a t-shirt shop. Yeah. The You kind of do wonder what you're buying, if you're buying clothing or if you're buying slogans. Mm-hmm. And so... yeah. This odd space that we inhabit is this melding of like a media company with a clothing store. So we are selling slogans and opinions. They just happen to be on t-shirts and lots of other stuff. So anything you can put words on and sell, we would put words on and sell. Mm. But our, like Martin Scorsese, oh no, not Martin, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, the guy who did The Godfather, Mm -hmm. he said that whenever he's doing a movie, he thinks about like one word and he has like one anchor word that he always comes back to. Mm -hmm. So The Godfather's anchor word was succession. And so whenever there's a difficult decision to make, he thinks, well, what's the anchor word? If it's succession, then what would this person do with succession in mind? And so for Raygun, our store is like fun. 
you just want the whole place like you don't want it to be cool because cool has kind of like it a condescending cool. edge yeah and it's not necessarily always doesn't have to be like funny but you just yeah. want it to be like entertaining like okay. even if you don't find something funny the store yeah. is still like a fun place to be so the whole environment is built around that so it stems from the early days of playing in bands mm -hmm. just because entertainment is like the name of the game. Yeah. The idea is that people walk in and the store entertains them. So it's not yeah. me up there performing. It's this huge group of us that yeah. put out this like product and this space so that people walking through just like innately have a good time Yeah. and hopefully buy something. Cause like the place doesn't run on people <laughs> having a good time. So is there uh so now you, you have uh, different stores in Chicago, Iowa City. Yeah, Cedar Rapids and Kansas City. So we're f we're three stores in Iowa, then Kansas City, Missouri, and Chicago. Okay, so is it uh, hard to kind of know the town? I mean, just come up with funny. I mean, I was just reading some of them for Chicago, and it was Shymoins. The <laughs> the the what the yeah we have like the greatest imaginary city, city. in the universe. <laughs> There's, I mean, Chicago, there's tons and tons of stuff for, right. I mean, Chicago and Kansas city, the difficult thing is like paring down like topic. I mean, there's just infinite amounts of stuff you could make. Mm -hmm. It's nice having started in Des Moines, um, because it's like a smaller audience mm -hmm. and there's like slightly less to work with. There's no like professional sports team. So there's no real like easy answers mm -hmm. in Des Moines, which is why a lot of it's like passed over. Mm -hmm. But once you kind of get into, you know, the rhythm of it, there's like a method for coming up with stuff. There's like certain topics that we like work well on. But mm -hmm. I mean, the key is just to kind of stay informed. So, you know, I'll look through like newspapers every morning yeah. and then you look through like social media. So you kind of have like a pulse on what's going on a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. like regionally. And it's nice because I've always, you know, liked doing that anyway getting yeah. back to like the history degree i sure. enjoy reading about places and people now i just like have a way to monetize that <laughs> so transitioning that out into the other cities so is there like a formula is there like a protocol if somebody comes up with a, a phrase they run it by you and you're the last one to green light it or how does that work? Uh, yeah, it kind of depends on who's there. Like if I'm on vacation, then somebody else has like the final say on it. But there's like a small group of us who all kind of like sit upstairs. And it generally just comes down to like if anybody really wants to do it. So and it doesn't even have to be us upstairs. So we connect all the stores together through Slack, which mm -hmm. is this like collaborative platform. Designers are a little less like quote unquote designers in that we are kind of like air traffic controllers mm -hmm. of like figuring out what designs will work. So you do have to stay um, on top of the news, on top of what's going on locally. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it's everything is like, Oh, you know, what have you done for me lately kind of thing? And you're like, well, we released those Chrissy Teigen shirts and the Ames day <laughs> stuff. And like yeah. lots of people like that. And it's like, wasn't, wasn't that like last month? And you're yeah. like, that was last Monday. <laughs> It's only been a week. Yeah, You're yeah. like, yeah, but I mean, what's going on this week? Yeah. And it is the, you know, the internet has changed, obviously retail in like a couple different ways, but on that utilitarian retail, like just buying the basics. Mm -hmm. So paper towels, Amazon has really shaken up that world. We're in the experience wing of retail, which isn't quite the same because it's more uh, like person to person, mm -hmm. but even on the experience side, the internet has changed 
things and that people's like speed of expectations is like so much greater mm-hmm. of yeah. it went from season to season clothing wise to then month to month to week. Now it's like people want something released yeah. every single day. Yeah. And it's this we are kind of uniquely positioned in what we do to be able to like crank out material every day. But it is, you know, it's this war of attrition kind of like volume thing of our stuff is obviously like pop art. Mm-hmm. You could design most of it in Microsoft Word. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a general design motif to the place where it all hangs together, but it's not difficult. I yeah. mean, music analogy would be like, we're just punk rock. Like I essentially learned like a power chord in the design world. And I've just been playing that ever since. (laughs) And the like content is also like pretty easy to understand. It's not going way over people's heads. Mm. And so just about anybody could design like we do and come up with stuff in like a similar vein. Yeah. Uh, It's, that's not really the hardest part. The hardest part is, all right, now do that six to 10 times a day yeah. for a decade. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Just do it forever. That and you got to be as funny seven years. Consistency from now as you is are the now. hard. It's just as hard, right? Yeah. I mean, getting started is one. Yeah. Uh, touching a nerve is, is, you know, touching the, the public, getting their attention is another, but then staying real. Uh, uh, oh yeah. It's like always, I, and it's this, you know, fine line between what people are going to like on Twitter versus what they're going to give you $23 for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's this constant mix of, well, what's entertaining versus what are people purchasing and where are you like adding value? And it's kind of all mashed up together. Do you put some stuff online that you know you're not going to print? It's just straight up a good humor. Like yeah. A good... We'll often, I mean, if there's something that we have like an angle for, we can just mock up a t-shirt, put it up online and if somebody orders it online, we'll like print it. It's always like annoying because like somebody will usually order one. And we're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> and now we got to like make a whole screen yeah. for it. We were just hoping that people would like it you on Twitter and be like, those guys are so topical. I'm going to go buy something they have in yeah. stock. But it's like, oh, we sold one. I mean, it's got to be the cycle. Is, is it? Is it? I don't think it's 24 hours anymore, is it? I mean, something that happened oh, yeah. in the morning. Oh, full 24. It's like if people are talking for something for a day. Yeah, it. when you look numbers-wise, we we bring it up all the time in the store of it really is like first across the post for any number of reasons. Like, mm-hmm. So, for example, just because it's the most recent, <clears throat> there's a lot going on in the world, mm-hmm. like serious issues. Yeah. Um, possible war with Iran last week and anyway, like the hurricane i'm not mm. sure who we were at war with last week but then i'm um, like <laughs> hurricane two wars are already fighting possible new war yeah. immigration crisis economy on the brink yeah and so the president of the united states obviously wants to talk about chrissy Teigen and john legend yeah <laughs> it's like why not yeah and so he says uh you know like sad john legend and his foul-mouthed wife chrissy Teigen. And you're like yeah. oh god this is like and so just doing a shirt that says foul-mouthed wife is yeah. funny even out of context mm-hmm. And so then it's this like race for any number of reasons. You have to get that thing up online like immediately, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the next morning or just within hours. Yeah. And then so you can kind of like hold it there. You win like the SEO race and that once those links go out and people start linking it, then your SEO ranking moves up higher Mm -hmm. than like the other kind of digital based t-shirt websites that just like essentially steal designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to come online maybe four or five hours later, which doesn't seem significant, but within that like five hour window where you're just like dominating the internet, you might sell 
40% of all the shirts you're going to sell just uh, in that first five okay. hours. Yeah. The first 24 hours, you'll probably sell 80% of the sh- all the shirts you're going to sell. Yeah. And then the next day it's like 15% and then 4%, three, two, and then it just trickles out. So it is wild that it's this like huge spike on day one yeah. drops off day two and then is almost gone by day three. Wow. So that, I mean, that's tough because you got to stay, on yeah. top of the next thing. Yeah, it's just this like real sense of urgency, which is a little why what we do is kind of closer to working for a newspaper than yeah. a clothing store. And that, sure, yeah. like something hits and your whole schedule, you just kind of push to the side. Mm-hmm. And then everybody works on that. So like designers lay it out. All the printers, their whole schedule shifts. So mm-hmm. you're printing this stuff. The, yeah. Like shipping people, you <clears throat> put down like extra like staff for them. So it makes for kind of a fun work environment and that it adds some like excitement to it and you kind of feel plugged in a little bit to the internet, but it's also the same reason why I don't have any like personal social media yeah. or cause if you are essentially like swimming in the internet yeah. for an entire day as like your day job, man, you don't need to, I don't find myself leaving work being like, I should do more of this. Like, <laughs> you know, what? Yeah. I can't wait to get home and dive back into this shit show. <laughs> So how much has uh, uh, politics, has politics changed the, the, the way that you see things? I mean, th- does it play a big role, I guess? Yeah. Well, when we look at like the three pillars of design or the three pillars of like content for us, it's funny, Midwestern, progressive. Those are mm-hmm. kind of like our three things. So uh, Gary the cat kind of falls under funny. Midwestern oh, is obviously like, name. I didn't yeah, oh yeah, his name is Gary, <laughs> which there's like a reason he's called that too. But then... um. Uh, Midwestern is just like to give us like a geographic anchor and then mm-hmm. progressive. We have every once in a while when we do a, like a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood or like the abortion access fund for people who like Planned Parenthood's not far like mm-hmm. enough into like women's rights. Um, oftentimes people will be like, <laughs> used to like this store a lot. Shop yeah. like spent a lot of money, but yeah. uh, you know, you got to <laughs> stay out of this political stuff. I liked yeah. you before you were political. And it's like, well, I don't know how long you've liked us, but some of the very first shirts I did were political. I mm-hmm. mean, before we got into like Midwestern stuff, it was selling like left-wing t-shirts to uh, like punk rock bookstores and clothing stores mm-hmm. out east. So mm-hmm. uh, w- w- even though there are a lot of uteri on products in the store, we are probably <laughs> like less radical than where we started. Okay. Um we've kind of like worked progressivism into this like wholesome, funny Midwestern cat motif, which makes it a little more like palatable. But yeah, the, like the progressive stuff has always been big. A lot of people would assume that Trump stuff is like really great for business and it can be a little bit depending, but I think it's kind of like having an alcoholic father where some stuff is like kind of funny and like a ha ha, um, like, oh my God, like he's passed out on the lawn. <laughs> yeah. But then there's also this tinge of depression to it. Yeah. Like, oh, but shit. So you've got to like, have that's that my dad. And, like, what, what is too much? Like, uh, yeah, Trump almost does not give you that much like content to work with. I mean, in terms of the volume of output from mm-hmm. like just the never ending stream is enormous, but the mm-hmm. amount of workable things in there is like pretty small. Yeah. You'll get these like snippets like Kavefe or the foul mouthed yeah. wife, but it's, it's not as much as you would think. And you kind of have to, you want to temper it a little bit and that you 
are always cognizant as somebody who's like creating things of the feeling that you're working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to like riff on like Trump every day to the point where you're almost like working on hey you're just like what is this yeah. guy gonna say next yeah, yeah, yeah. like give me something you crazy <laughs> cheeto it's like i need to print shirts yeah, yeah. and so you do need these other things like funny and midwestern so yeah. you're not like totally at the mercy of what other people say so you, it's this delicate balance of you know here's something about progressive systems like here's something about midwestern weather here's something about football and or baseball mm -hmm. here's a cat joke and you yeah, kind of yeah. toggle between yeah, all those. So, Trump. Yeah, as soon as like the progressive snowflake stuff gets too like preachy for people, then you can switch over to like, how about tailgating? <laughs> They're like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't quit you. <laughs> so I guess I don't it, mind the uterus it does stuff. Put, <laughs> You're like, it does put a bit of a bullseye, right? I mean, there was been some articles that have been written that like are conservatives even welcome here. oh yeah one person was like are conservatives welcome in reagan and yeah. we're like hey we welcome anybody i mean we don't even have a no shirt no shoes policy we see somebody that walks in with no shirt and new shoes and we're like this is our ideal customer yeah this is somebody that needs a shirt and shoes and so the salespeople just swarm like what can i show you today yeah yeah they're i mean we get Anytime we'll do, especially like fundraisers for like Planned Parenthood or, I mean, it could be anything I could mm -hmm. speak about, yeah. like healthcare reform. Sure. And, you know, then the one star reviews roll in. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much. I'm bothered by a one star review if it's like an actual, like somebody has like a legitimate gripe with the business. Yeah. Um, but the whole like stay out of politics store yeah. sucks. Yeah. One was just, um, the title of their review on Google was extremists. And then it gave us one star and it said, Whoa. why are you extremists? extremists? You're scaring me. Um, and it, to this day, I don't know if that was a joke or not, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, we, we just kind of like are what we are to a certain extent. You don't want to be, you know, in humor, there's like a this line between funny and mean, and you don't want to yeah. cross over into mean. You don't want to like punch down. So you shouldn't make jokes about people that are like, you know, smaller than you in terms of like size or company yeah. or reach of audience. Um, and so we're cognizant of not being like cruel, but it is meant to be like entertaining. Like yeah. we say, well, we don't want to hurt anybody like personally, and we don't want to stereotype. Yeah. And they're like, well, what about like the um, sorry about Steve King. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm not stereotyping. I didn't say sorry about people who vote for Steve King. I'm saying sorry about that asshole. Yeah, it's like yeah, that yeah. one person in particular <laughs> is a dick. <laughs> yes. And we're like, well, isn't that mean? I'm like, like no, that's just truthful. Yeah. That guy's a dick. Yeah. And the it's... truth can be funny too. If your intent <laughs> is to be funny. And that's kind of one of the things that Kenji and I were, were talking the, the one of the co-hosts and like helps me produce the podcast. Uh, we were talking about Dave Chappelle's latest special. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, he touches on all these topics that people, you know, comedians are staying away from. And he ha made them funny, you know. But it's about the intent, where he comes from, what his intention is. Instead of, you know, because, yeah, you can be an asshole uh, and try to hurt somebody's feelings with you know uh the lgbtq or oh yeah or, um so uh, or abortion or you know pedophilia i mean he, he oh yeah there i mean all of them were in there <laughs> yeah he didn't leave anything like, behind but it's the intent right what is your intention of this and if it's to be funny and if it is funny then it's funny oh yeah 
Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's it's something that I've kind of like thought about a lot, and like it is. You do kind of like wonder what the intent is, and like the Dave Chappelle <laughs> stuff is interesting because I wondered with like that like most recent, uh, like with his most recent comedy special, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, well what is his intent here? Yeah. And part of me is like, actually, I don't think his intent to, is to be funny. I think his intent is to show that he can say these things that a lot of times I don't think he like believes, mm-hmm. um, but just wants to be able to say them and show, Oh, look, Netflix will still keep me on. I'm never going to be canceled <laughs> and people will like yeah. this because it's like mean, but it has it, to be funny though. Yeah. There's still like jokes. Because he could do that and not be funny. And then Netflix, I mean, Netflix would be like, well, too bad you. Oh yeah. Line. And you, but you, I always just kind of wonder like, Oh, is it like the, are the actual jokes like that funny for some of the stuff? Or is it people are like, wow, I can't believe he's like saying he said this. That? Yeah. Cause some, um, because some of the stuff in like the Michael Jackson thing where he's like, I don't yeah. think Michael Jackson did it because I mean, he never tried it on with Macaulay Culkin. And I mean, if you were a pedophile, you'd probably go after Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, it's like, I'm not saying he didn't do it. It's just, and so it wasn't that, you know, the argument of we can still appreciate Michael Jackson's music, you know, in the special, he was like, oh, I don't think Michael Jackson did it. Which I don't think he believes because right. in Chappelle's show, he talked about how he knows Michael Jackson did it. Yeah. And so he's on like the record as having like believed that Michael Jackson did it. And now in his special, he's like, nah, he didn't do any of mm-hmm. it. Um, so he's pushing the boundary. Yeah. He's pushing I, the and envelope. So that's where I think like, I think with that one particular case, I think he's saying it just because he wants to show people he can like say it. He can which, do it. Yeah, which I think like jokes wise weren't you know, most of his jokes that I don't find like as funny, um, are mainly like the ones where he touches on like transgender, mm-hmm. LGBTQ. Yeah. And it's not even that I'm like sensitive to I mean I'm straighter than John Wayne, so uh-huh. I'm not like, oh I'm hurt. Yeah. And I'm not even calling for like a boycott of it. Yeah. I just think that Chappelle does that because he has like a little bit of an axe to grind. There's sure. like beneath it there's something that like kind of irritates him about it right um and so i i do think with some of those jokes he does it like out of meanness but then kind of masks it in humor you... and it's worked in like lots of other humor but i i mean again it's it's tricky because you can have lots of people that are doing things for like a variety of reasons mm-hmm. and when you peel back on intent it is yeah, it can be just like so tricky because you don't want to put other words in other people's mouths. Mm-hmm. But it's also tough too when people kind of like hide their intent behind, well, I was just making a joke. And yeah. you're like, well, but were you? And so I'm, you know, not a big, you know, like call for like boycott stuff. But I do, I mean, I watch so much comedy and have like over the years that I've like started to notice that there is this generation of comedian like just above me so Mm -hmm. you're like kevin hart's and you're dave chappelle's and they do have kind of these like older more grandpa moments where you're like yeah that doesn't play as well (laughs) now man (laughs) like uh the whole transgender like uh, joke about like you equating being transgender to you saying you're chinese i Mm -hmm. mean it's no it's not really the same so to you there's some that he maybe went a little bit too far well it's not necessarily that he went too far it's just that i think his intent is to just go too far his Mm -hmm. intent isn't to like make a joke and it's also with somebody like dave Chappelle, where he says oh i stopped doing the show 
because I noticed white people were laughing too hard at my jokes about black people. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, well, all right. So um, you're sensitive enough mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. be offended when it's you. Mm-hmm. But now you as a non-transgender person can make all the, you're yeah. sen- like suddenly you're entitled to make all the jokes you want. And if somebody is offended by it, you're hurt. But if a white guy likes your jokes about black people too much, yeah. then you're going to cancel your show and move to Africa. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not even, you know, that these guys are... Do you think he's just trying to entertain and just be like, I'm just going to be controversial and... Yeah, I think there's a certain tinge of his stuff that's always... I mean, you know, com- like you know, comedians, it's not like this sad clown kind of thing, but comedians can be like pretty angry people deep down. Right. And just humor is how they get at other people. Like mm-hmm. nobody likes to be lampooned. Yeah. And so humor oh. is this um, really powerful tool against other people. Like, yeah. No one wants to be laughed at. And so yeah. if you can make somebody be laughed at, that's like a, <clears throat> um, I was going to say a gift. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real be. gift it's like my superpower um i just can't push a car but i can make people laugh at i you. just i think that that i thought it was funny and um you know there's you know i mean we can go down the line of all the topics that he touched uh but it to me it came down to uh that i felt that his intent was to be funny oh yeah uh, and controversial and uh fearless almost in a way where he's like I'm Dave Chappelle, almost egotistical. Like, I'm Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. I'm doing it. Um, but if he would have failed at being funny, it would have, like, crashed and burned. You know, Netflix would have been like, yeah, this shit's not funny. Yeah. Um, that's, I guess that's the way I saw it. But my question to you is, have you been in that position with your with your stories? Has there been something where you're like, no, we're not going to... We're not going to put this out there. Ooh. Well, there's... Yeah, there's lots of stuff that we have thought, oh, we... There are tons and tons of ideas. Mm-hmm that we have found funny but that we would never put out um Mm -hmm. just because you know (laughs) i mean if somebody were to like hack our slack page i mean we'd be boycotted by everybody (laughs) it's just like left right top bottom religious atheists like everybody would be upset about stuff like there's enough for everyone to be upset about yeah because when you're in like the business of humor you know, you have to be able to make jokes about everything, uh, but yeah. first and foremost yourself. So you're, yeah. you're never going to be funny unless you can break yourself down. And so, you know, everybody gets like the same treatment when you're like spitballing ideas, but you're only doing that amongst like a small group of people knowing it's never going to like leave that yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. Anything that comes out through like the voice of Ray Gun, you obviously want to make sure it's like, well, does, is this like what we would sound like? Is this something mm-hmm. that Reagan yeah. would say? So yeah. Reagan is not just like my interior monologue. My yeah. interior monologue is like much angrier than the store. Uh-huh. It is, does this like fit into like the voice of like the store? So, I mean, yeah. there are just so many um, examples which we will like never make public <laughs> just because it's like, you know, there's like a humor to it, but it's also you know, there should be like a little bit of nuance to stuff we like put out, you mm-hmm. know, you don't want it to be like so simplistic. Um, there kind of has to be like more to the joke to make it like last longer. Have you b- felt challenged where some people or groups have been like, no, don't put that on. You're like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it. It's my store. It's my product. I'm going to do it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the other, I mean, my thing with, you know, it just kind of gets back to like the Dave Chappelle versus like Trump thing of, you know, if you are just putting out topics about Trump, then you're kind of like working for Trump. And if you 
are building your show just around stuff that people tell you you shouldn't talk about. Well, Mm -hmm. now those people are still kind of censoring you in a way. Like they're still controlling your message. Yeah. There's the opposite side of, well, I can't say that because otherwise these people would get like mad. But then it's like, well, since those people are going to get mad, I'm going to say it. This like mysterious group of people is still like in control, whether Mm -hmm. you're doing it just to make them mad or whether you're doing it to like avoid them. And so we just try to be cognizant of that and that you, you know, you kind of have to be involved, but you just have to like do your own thing. There, there, there's gotta be this air of mystery of like, well, why do we do it? And we try not to do it just because somebody like doesn't want us yeah. to, I mean, there's, it's such an easy cop out to find something that's going to like offend people. Cause it's like all over the place. Yeah. But there's never like humor in that there. The humor is like not knowing like who the joke is on. You kind of want people to read it and be like, you know, Des Moines, let us exceed your already low expectations. It's yeah. like, was well, the joke on Des Moines or is it the people who like don't expect anything to like be in Des Moines? Yeah. And that's when you're like in the real sweet spot of that, like fine line. It's a, lot, a lot of, well, not a lot, but some comedians have said that it's hard to be funny now because like the current state of, affairs is uh so fucking hilarious i mean some of it you're like that's gotta be made up right like some of this stuff is just is that true for you humor isn't funny if it's no holds barred no rules Mm -hmm. it's only funny if you're kind of working around sensors i mean sensors can kind of make things and there's entire seinfeld episodes Mm -hmm. that are built around the idea that you can't say certain words on television Mm -hmm. if you could say those words the show wouldn't exist. I yeah. mean, that episode wouldn't be around because it wouldn't be funny. It's only funny if you're dancing around it. So, you know, you can see what they say about, well, like, you know, people are offended by stuff nowadays, but I don't see it as any different. I just mm-hmm. see it as older comedians have grown up in a certain environment and mm-hmm. are now kind of upset that they're, they're in a new environment. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's... <laughs> I'm not sure we need to take up like a collection for these. Like, oh no, these like poor comedians, like <laughs> no. upset that people are going to be no, upset think, at their jokes. So would you? Uh, would you? So censorship is? Are you saying self-censored? Well, it's just a little bit different in that when you know something like CBS was able to like like censor the Smothers Brothers, mm-hmm. the irritation among people was, oh, this tiny group of censors is controlling everything, and you mm-hmm. knew who to be mad at. Nowadays, you know, the uncertainty is, well, what are people going to be mad about and Mm -hmm. who are these people Mm -hmm. and what will lead to, you know, what? Mm -hmm. And so I think that is kind of like the frustration. It's not that censorship um, was not around before and now it's around. It's just now it's like more diffused. Mm -hmm. But, you know, whose career has like been destroyed because of these this like mob of censors? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Actually, uh, it Louis CK's, more... it's like Louis CK's movie still came out. He's doing comedy again. I mean, yeah. he showed up in New York and got like a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like anybody like went to jail when people are like, oh, Brett Kavanaugh was destroyed by these people. And it's like, oh, man, He's I hope I'm court. destroyed and get put on the Supreme Court. <laughs> it's, and so it's also blown out of proportion in like what these censors can control. I mean. When CBS canceled the Smothers Brothers, there's only three major networks. Those dudes never worked again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They could maybe tour, but the big companies owned all the theaters, too. There was no way to diffuse your message. 
it can be frustrating that the sensors are like out there and amorphous, but at the same time, the platform is amorphous. You mm -hmm. can go from one thing to another thing to another thing. There's no one gatekeeper. That's how it works nowadays. As far as speech goes, do you is there a line? So just uh, your opinion on, um, you know, you guys are, you said progressive, Midwestern progressive and... Oh, yeah, funny. Funny. Funny Midwestern progressive. Um, so... Is there a line where you're like, okay, this is this is speech, but it's not good, like hate speech? Is there something where you like, where you would censor someone? Oh, if they were like on our Facebook page or um, no, just for your 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 opinion, where where you hear something and it's hate, and oh, if it's or in is like... it just like would you say you're up for just like freedom of speech? Oh, if it's like you know within the store creatively mm -hmm. when we're talking about stuff. Um, yeah, you can, we often will say, well, it's not, um, with like employees too, employee behavior, I will say it's not one thing that's going to get you fired. It's mm -hmm. like a pattern of behavior. Sure. And so say you're like white balling ideas and somebody says something that's like racist or hateful. Yeah. It might be kind of like a, uh, <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah. And you don't want to like interrupt the entire session. But at the same time, kind of like everybody's like, well, so. yeah, and weird. that one incident may not be like the worst, but if it becomes like a pattern of behavior, if this person has like this regular ax to grind, yeah, you know, then you bring it up with him, but it's not because of like censorship. It's like, you know, Hey, um, you're not making good comedy if you've got like blind spots on. Yeah. And if you believe a certain thing about a certain set of people, um, you're not going to be funny when it comes to that whole so like beliefs are not funny in yeah, comedy. Yeah. Um, you cannot have a an entire wing of content that you're you like wall off. Yeah. It's like I mean I'll joke about anything, but not Jesus. <laughs> it's like okay, so no jokes about religion. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's like I'll what what color shirt do you want? Any color except red and blue. Well, there's only so many colors in the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red and blue is like knocking off 33% of them. And so it's it's usually like a pattern of behavior. But again, it's not from a censorship standpoint. It's that, you know, you're not going to be as funny if, yeah. you, if you're bringing these like beliefs or acts to grind to the table. Like then, then you're the guy that's always like, but what about if we go after that segment again? <laughs> what if we go after that? And you're like, yeah, we, we heard we you the first 16 yeah. times. We're not going to go after that do segment you guys of go, people. Uh, do you guys have any uh, shirts that touch on religion? Uh, a little bit. We've done like separation of church and uterus. We did a shirt for atheists that atheists got mad about, which was odd What's since that? I'm like an atheist. Well, we did a shirt and it was just blank. So we were just selling black shirts. And we were like, this is the perfect gift for atheists. Mm -hmm. um, and like the atheists got upset about it because apparently this was when there was an atheist convention in Des Moines, which uh -huh. the whole reason I'm like um, into atheism is that it frees up Sundays. Um, <laughs> I'm like, wait, if a atheist getting together as a group yeah. in an organized fashion, like maybe I'm not an atheist. Yeah. And so we made They're this shirt that had, we had like nothing on it. And we're like, this is the perfect shirt for atheists. And the atheists were like beside themselves. They're like, uh -huh. no atheism is not believing in nothing it's the belief that there is nothing uh -huh. it's like whoa damn <laughs> i all right and it's just being able to see like the absurdity and everything yeah of you know there's like this absurdity to hardcore atheists there's mm -hmm. an absurdity to like hardcore christians it's oftentimes the joke is not necessarily about like the people but uh or even the situation but the mm -hmm. reaction to that situation that's yeah. funny 
And so it's not necessarily that you're joking like about religion, but you can be joking about how the absurd level somebody might take religion to. Yeah. And so when we did a shirt about like the Starbucks coffee cup where it, they issued like a red like cup a red one year. Red. Yeah, mm. and people were like, this is like, I guess Christmas is dead. It's mm. canceled. Like, there's no more <laughs> Christmas. They've like, and Christ is out of it. Yeah. The, you know, the joke was not um, about religion. The joke was like, how absurd that we're talking about like just this like red cup. Like, the, the red cup has become like the symbol of Christ being in Christmas. And you're yeah. like, God, Christmas and Christ's connection to it is hinging around Starbucks selling things. So it, the joke is in the the like absurdity of the situation, not necessarily like religion or Starbucks. Yeah. Is there a season that you look forward to? Like the poly- the primaries are coming up. Is that something that you guys like kind of gearing up to? And uh, Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the caucuses just in general. I mean, is it's it, like don't the, you have one that says we have a big caucus? Or rock out with your caucus yeah. out we've had for years. <laughs> um, there are just like tons of like the only real like bathroom humor we do is mainly like caucus related. <laughs> And it's it's like the Dork Olympics where it's every four years like Des Moines, <laughs> and it never like it never gets old too. Where you're yeah. you're like listening, they're like live from Des Moines. You're like, oh my god, that's where I live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then they like go away for you know three years and yeah. then come back. So the caucuses are something that I like love, and it's mm. like wild having just because it's like surreal. It's yeah. to have the attention. Um tailgating like the start of football season is obviously yeah um any holiday that's built around consuming i like 100 percent support so that's why i feel bad for thanksgiving <laughs> is that thanksgiving you're like god they've just never found a way to monetize it yeah like yeah, poor, yeah. it's been swallowed up by like halloween and christmas yeah so you go from like summer you go from back to school to halloween to christmas and there's just no room thanksgiving for thanksgiving just, anymore uh, yeah like appreciation the industry and, gets a bit of a yeah, there's like a bump in like butterball turkeys, I guess. And apparently yeah. the night before Thanksgiving is like one of the biggest nights for drinking in America. So I mm-hmm. guess that's good for bars. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, t-shirt industry is just like ugh, Thanksgiving. So, so, I mean, you you do get, you know, you you vote. So you do get behind <laughs> yeah. people. I even vote in like those <laughs> elections. Nobody cares. Like school board. Yeah, yeah. So you is there anyone right now that you're kind of... I mean, you don't have to share, I guess. Oh, yeah. A, but I, is there somebody that you were for Hillary, right? In the last. Um... Yeah. I mean, when it was down to Hillary versus Trump, I was in Hillary's camp. Yeah. I, you know, never. I And it's one of those things where, you know, I think um, Trump is probably like the worst president in terms of just like what he projects to like the world. It's sure. kind of like the worst aspects of human nature, um, you know, stupidity laziness you know connection like getting Mm -hmm. everything from your dad dressed up as like pulling yourself up from your bootstraps and then this like celebration of ignorance like big loud golfing white tennis shorts i mean any bad stereotype about americans it's all squeezed into this like one (laughs) large package yeah but he doesn't like do much Mm -hmm. i i'm i would think his days must just be like boring like there's no coherent policy um, I still think George W. Bush was like the worst president by a mile. I mean, you know, started and lost two wars, right. one of which was totally unnecessary. If you look at like just human cost yeah. from, you know, Americans, like veterans, Iraqis, Afghanis. Yeah. I mean, George W. Bush 
you know, wins by a mile in terms yeah. of destructiveness. Also yeah. ran the economy into the ground somehow. So like housing market collapsed when he's yeah. leaving. So I think like structurally he's by far the worst president. But in terms of subjectively, I think, you know, Trump just projects all the worst things about America. Yeah. And so I only get to that because when he was running, it wasn't even necessarily that I didn't like his, I didn't like his, the policies he stated, but I couldn't really figure what, I'm like, what coherent plan does this yeah. dude have? Like, what, yeah. are, what are we really voting for? Yeah. Like what? Like, so you believe in free markets, but everything's got to be made in America. Mm-hmm. And we all have to say Merry Christmas, but mm-hmm. you believe in freedom of religion. Yeah. <laughs> like, so he was always holding these two opposite sides, which is what you get now. Just this like total shit show where he's like, weaving so Trump all is over the, the best map. thing that W Bush could have gotten. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, it is wild that people now are right? like, you know, George W. Bush doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, he like, started paints a couple his pictures, and, and a stuff. I mean, he was like pro-immigration reform, and you're like, yeah, but he didn't get it done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he got two wars instead. And so when I kind of look at the candidates, I try to look for like coherent policy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, you, you could take like the top. 20 <laughs> of the Democrats and they would do a better job. I mean, all of them have more coherent like beliefs. 24? I think they're, I think, I think like they're down to like 22 now. I think wow. two have dropped out. Hickenlooper's out. So I think Elizabeth Warren might win. I, she seems to be the one who's like gaining the most momentum, mm-hmm. but it's hard to tell. I think we're in this odd time where everyone's a little uncertain. Cause I think a lot of people are like me where they look at the field and they're like, well, I like that person. But in the back of your mind, you're like, but shit, I thought Hillary was going to win. So yeah. I guess maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you do look at Trump is tricky cause you, the like lessons from him are not applicable to any other candidate. I mm-hmm. mean, he said, probably 24 things during his campaign that would have sunk any other political candidate. So you can't really take the lessons from him and apply them to another person, but you do just start looking a little bit differently at other people in America. Like, wait, but that many people voted for, and, but you don't know again what their like intent was. This is a serious thought that I had when when he was campaigning and all the shit he was saying, I'm like, he's, He's trying not to get elected. Like I, li- it literally oh. crossed my thought for a few seconds. In and I was August, like, he's really trying not to get elected. In and August of like in August of that year, if you Googled, is Donald Trump trying? What filled in next was lose the election. Yeah, that was like the big thing. Is yeah. oh, Trump is working for Hillary and he's trying to throw <laughs> the election to get. Like, that was how powerful the yeah. deep state was. Was that Hillary had selected him as an opponent to win. And now I'm thinking he's doing everything he can to not get reelected. <laughs> like, that's often this, you know, um, my like grandpa grew up in Northwest Iowa. And so the saying up there is like, even a blind hog rooting gets an acorn. Like yeah. stick a blind hog in a field. It's going to find an acorn every once in a while, yeah. but it doesn't mean the blind hog is like seeing the acorns. Yeah. And that's the other people are like, is he, it's a, like Jedi mind stuff. Like is Trump on a whole other level? Like what? He, I think he's got the Democrats right where he wants them. And he's like, you know, I mean, he's just lashing out. There is no method to this at yeah. all, but you do, you know, you get back to like the intent. It's like dangerous to say like, well, all Trump voters voted for him because of this or all, you know, a certain number of people voted for him because it might have been this like racist dog whistle sign. But I mm. still think it's a minority of pe- I, I just do not think there's like enough to sway it. Mm-hmm. I think there's another group that was like, you know what? 
fuck it all. Yeah. Let's send this jackass in there. It was this, what is the antithesis of Washington in general? And then there's the people who think that all politicians are corrupt. So, you know, what's it matter? This guy's corrupt. Send him in there anyway. They're all corrupt. So it's it's hard to really know. Some what said like the economy too. Are. Some said, "Oh, he's a businessman." So yeah, and you kind of had the well, he comes from business, and you're like, I knew a few business bankrupt. owners that you know, college degrees, they have their business for twenty plus years, and they voted for Trump. You know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who is a real like entrepreneurial type who looks at a guy who got his whole company from his dad and then got out of business to be a television right. personality who looks at Trump as like a businessman. But and there you're like, is. Yeah. There I mean, is. it's like, so I think there's another section that you were talking, you yeah. know, like the, the racist little section yeah. and then the fuck it, you know, people like, let's see what happens. Yeah. And then some people, you know, they decide they thought that he was good for economy. The one positive I will see, you know, from a like America standpoint is that, um, you know, America just like first man on the moon invented the car, and then when it comes to political dysfunction in the modern world, <laughs> blow we blow it right out of Number the water. Number one, baby. Yeah, I mean, like Britain votes to leave the EU yeah. uh, the summer of 2016, and America is just like, hold our beer, yeah, watch yeah, yeah. this. Wait. We're gonna put this guy in charge <laughs> of the whole joint. But there is something to be said for there was like this Israeli foreign minister who once said. America always does the right thing after they've exhausted all other options. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I still think, I think Trump is like this, you know, we're trying to, we're searching for like something and we're just throwing everything at it. And, you know, it was like Obama and now it's like, we're just like, you know what? We're just going to try yeah. this. And eventually we will like land on the right answer. Cause there's not, there's no country right now that I feel like is just doing it a hundred percent correctly. Like yeah. everyone's kind of struggling with the same thing. So yeah. it's, but I'm hoping that we kind of look at it and be like, hey, there are some like large issues yeah. that are so complex and tied to so many different things that we might, and I'm just spitballing here, yeah. have to actually put some real time yeah. into yeah, yeah. of none of like healthcare to immigration. None of that stuff is like so simple that it's going to be unwound. It's yeah. like when the ACA was written and they're like, it's a thousand pages long. Yeah. And that was like a negative. You're like, I yeah. hope it's, a, it should yeah, be a thousand yeah. pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also the margins are huge and the spaces, I mean, it's like 300 <laughs> book pages, but they're like, it's a th- I have no time to read it. I've yeah. got to fundraise. So do, do you think it's uh, talking about the caucus? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, is it overwhelming for you as a voter, like to have so many people or to have all this, you know, uh, attention? Uh, does it allow you to make a, a, a decision? I mean, you if you to oh, be yeah. fair, you would have to go down all of them, right, and, and look at all of their stances. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to, you know, you never want to think about it from like an electability standpoint, but it's you don't want to look at, you know, just policy. You have to look at like who's delivering the message mm-hmm. and you kind of get like so turned around. It's similar in the store. It's hard to, when you talk about finding the best employee, it's not just about who looks like good on paper. It's well, who works well with like other people around Mm -hmm. them and who works well with people who are going to be working beneath them and like above them. So, you know, the electability side of it, there are certain things to like think about, but it's also tough. There are so many like good candidates with so many like good ideas. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, God, where were you people four years ago? Like, why do, why do we squeeze them all into one year? But it, it makes me hopeful in that you think 
there is so much talent and so many people who are willing to put so much energy into yeah. things. Okay. It kind of bodes well for the future. I mean, if somebody from this field runs for president and picks another person from this field for vice president and fills the cabinet with other people running from the field, um, you know, it would be a pretty rock solid yeah. administration of people who have thought about issues. You know, you look at those like 10 people on stage and it's a mix of like ages, genders, like ethnicities. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, this is what we should be projecting this to like the population. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not like angry white dude with a rich dad, yeah. you know, reaches the top, you know, whenever Trump is like, well, why was Obama such a big deal? And I'm not, it's like, I, like, honestly, you yeah. can't see, you know, I'll get invited to like speak places. And I'm like, you know, I grew up in like a middle-class family. Dad was a lawyer. Mom's an engineer. They paid for my college stable upbringing, stable family, stable school. Um, it would be a miracle if I had not gotten yeah. here. <laughs> like yeah. I should be invited to speak if I like flamed out and failed. Yeah, like, people, yeah. people are like, how did you do How it? did you? But it's, I will, so it's like absurd thinking that I would write a memoir. Cause it's like the most boring memoir of yeah. like young man, given every opportunity and encouraged to succeed, yeah. succeeds. And people are like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. So it's, you, you kind of like see that there are certain things that you should take as like inalienable truths uh-huh. that like in the way just society is set up, um, you know, somebody like me will have like more opportunities and within those opportunities has a higher rate of like success. Right. And so you should like celebrate when it's like not necessarily like people like me, but it's not even this like white guilt of like, well, I feel so bad about yeah. it. It's just acknowledging how like the world actually works. It doesn't yeah. detract from, you know, work I put into the store, it's just acknowledging like, well, I'd like at you know, the University of Pennsylvania where I went and coincidentally where Trump's kids went. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Ivanka was my year at Penn. Okay. Um, and then Don Jr. was in like the fraternity next door to me. Mm-hmm. The saying at Penn was, this school is packed with kids who scored from second and think they hit a home run. Uh... <laughs> it's like somebody batted you in and you're just like, I did it. Uh... I did it. It's like, slow you motion were, running towards the finish. It's like you were a designated runner. <laughs> it's like they put you on second yeah. halfway through and then you just ran in. So it's it's acknowledging kind of like where you come from and yeah. like the story. And But it's not meant to like, I'm not like crying myself to sleep, obviously. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why do I have But this? I think some people uh, have taken that role though where it's like, well, what, should I feel bad for being white or should I feel bad for me it's like no just acknowledge oh yeah no it's like well everything's my fault no yeah. i'm like i've worked for i've worked yeah. for everything yeah, you're yeah. like oh, okay i mean Let you saw me it during it's like during the when obama was running and joe the plumber was like trying to make him out to be a socialist and so mm-hmm. at the republican national convention it was like we built it it was this whole like i did it by myself like i pulled myself up from my i've never asked for anything from the government except for uh like public schools and i guess subsidized <laughs> corn yeah. and the interstate highway system not to mention airports air travel the safety and security that comes with like having a military and I work in an industry that's heavily subsidized with real estate subsidies and the government negotiates trade. Other than that, I haven't gotten anything. It's me, me, me. And that is kind of like this kernel of like, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Of I think the most dangerous thing about modern America is this like total lack of acknowledgement mm-hmm. that the community around you had some form 
of assistance in molding where you are Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's just me by myself. And it's just me and my family rather than saying you are part of something that's larger and everybody is in this together. And I don't know what it, it's this like fear. I don't know. It, it seems to be some people take it as like an insult. Like if you acknowledge that you had an advantage, um, it takes away from uh, like your work and people mm-hmm. are, they get really like sensitive about it, which is a mystery. And they're like, well, we shouldn't, it should be like best man wins. And you're like, yeah. well, Hey man, let's look at football. Um, Drake is not playing Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> like look at high school football. There's uh, like six different classes of high school yeah. football. So, when the class 1A team, like my old high school, wins like the state championship, is something taken away from that because they didn't beat Valley? Like there were six other quote unquote state champions mm-hmm. that year. I mean, yeah. everyone gets a rhythm. Yeah. It's, and then even if you're the champion of Iowa, well, are you really the champion? Are you going to go play a school from Texas? How are they going to do against you? Yeah. So we already acknowledge that certain places have certain advantages. Mm. A bigger high school has more kids to pick from. And so should play other big high schools than a little high school. Yeah. It never occurred to me like when we would win in football, that somehow all of those wins should have an asterisk because we weren't playing the biggest teams in the state. Like we were all working, we were all playing by the rules. So it's, it's odd to me that there's this like total disconnection when it comes to like advantages of, you know, race or class or geography mm-hmm. that suddenly all of those can just be totally thrown out the window yeah. and there's no classes at all. And everyone works for what they have. Yeah. And from a purely economic standpoint, I mean, if you want to get the most out of people, you have to acknowledge that it's going to take like more input to get a certain person up to the same place as somebody mm-hmm. that takes less input, depending on where like they started from. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. You just wonder what the harm is in, you know, wanting everybody to like succeed. I mean, yeah. if everyone does better, if everyone has more money in America, yeah. that just means they have more money to spend and give to other people. It's yeah. this, you do kind of get stuck in this, you know, cut off the nose to spite the face kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm there's this like anxiety now, but I'm not really sure even what it's, but it's directed It's starting at. to become defensive, right? Like uh, I think Trump said something or, you know, um, it's hard to be a, a white male uh, in America <laughs> now. So I think that's a good, and maybe this is a, uh, a question I wanted to get. Like, do you think that the uh, Republicans or conservatives have been better at marketing? That's my opinion, I guess. They've been better at marketing their brand more than, the Democrats. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think I've always found that is because like, if you think conservative, you think, oh, you know, uh, family values, and you know, uh, fiscally uh, conservative, um, and you know, da da da. Which like, the party's not really doing that, but oh yeah, that's their message and that's the brand and and it's yeah, it's I I always found like the. Um, the odd like gravity of Rush Limbaugh is that he is always oppressed no matter who is in charge. Like <laughs> no matter who's in charge, yeah. Rush is oppressed. Yeah. Um, so George, you know, the Republicans are in, you know, just Rush is down in the dumps. Clinton's mm-hmm. in, oh, they're just coming after Rush again. Yeah. And, you know, Obama's in, oh, just, yeah. he's being crushed. All the forces are yeah, on yeah, yeah. Rush. Um, he can barely afford his pill habit. 
And then Trump is in, you'd be like, oh, this guy, sure. I mean, his show is probably nothing but like sunshine and unicorns now. But now, mm-hmm. oh, it's the deep state and uh, they're out uh-huh. to get us. Yeah. And you can't have an opinion if you're a white man. And so I think there's a certain segment that has always kind of gotten used to it. It is this like odd thing when they're like, oh, and the progressives are the snowflakes. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. we're, like your entire brand is complaining about things for mm-hmm. four hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rush, like. 52 weeks a year is just every afternoon complaint, 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 complaint. And it's, it is this odd, like, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're like quote unquote better at branding or if they're just like really good at sticking to the message. Like it's, Hmm. it's kind of like the same tune over and over for like years and years. And it's always this kind of like good old days kind of vibe, which, you know, hit its (laughs) apex with, like Trump of like make America great again. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, I'm not sure a slogan that shits on modern America mm-hmm. is really going to play well in this country, but and it does. Because yeah. there's a lot of people who are like, I mean, it's not like it used to be. <laughs> and I, we joked about it at the store. Cause it's, it's like me <laughs> and um, Jen, who's obviously like a lady and like Rachel. And then there's like, um, a couple minorities, gay uh-huh. dudes, but in our segment, I'm one. I think I'm like the only straight guy, uh-huh. and so we were talking. It's like straight white male, uh-huh. and we were talking about it. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know what year we're going back to, but they're all good years for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like holy yeah. mackerel. Yeah. And if you want to know where you are in the big scheme of things of like how America is drawn, it's like go back 200 years and see if you still have all the rights that yeah. you have now. If you go back certain amounts of time and you're not losing any rights, yeah. like go back to 1776, if you're able to vote for president, you're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it is this like dichotomy of American pride meets, but this country sucks. Mm-hmm. And so I don't. Because all Trump did was bash. Yeah, America. it was just constant. Like, oh, this is bad. That's bad. We're losing to him. We're losing to them. We're losing trade wars. Everyone's eating our lunch. Nobody's happy. The economy's in the dumps. Everyone's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, I love this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like hugging the flag. So um, weird. But that is, I mean, he is the quintessential American grifter, like latches on to, you know, believes in nothing just Mm kind of like tells you what you want to hear. And there's a certain segment of society that I think, you know, kind of resonates with that. So is that, so you said something about electability. Is that part of your, um, criteria? Like who's going to be. Yeah. A little bit because they have to, right. They have to have something. Yeah. And you, you kind of just wonder what that. Because Trump proved that policy doesn't need to (laughs) be, uh, (laughs) it's like, uh, yeah, people have said win. that of like, you know, I wish we would talk about policy. And you're like, that ship has sailed. Yeah. It's like, I mean, in any of the Democratic debates, there has been more substantive talk about any issue um, than we have had out of the White House in like three years. Yeah. And that's like 10 people splitting it up. So you do kind of have to think a little bit about like, you know, quote unquote electability. But I think it's more just like, how does this person like hang together? You know, what do they portray i mean one of the greatest things about like obama wasn't just that he was like this nice guy but it's that when other countries looked at america they're like holy shit yeah maybe it's true maybe that place is a meritocracy where anybody can rise to the top yeah and you know obviously there are like structural issues that prevent it from being like a true meritocracy but the power of belief is like a pretty powerful thing if people look and see themselves at the very top 
psychologically they just start thinking oh i could do this mm-hmm. and once there's that like belief then the structural parts are easier to remove but when you think oh the system is rigged it's always going to be this certain set of people that wins there's this like defeatist attitude so you do kind of have to think a little bit about like you know what you're projecting and so you know you know biden seems like a nice guy but at the same time you're just like i'm not really sure this is like the look we need to of just like oh you've to got say this, like, we've taken we've taken a turn we were, we decided this is not yeah. more than uh wait biden let's put biden back yeah it's here. like well we found this like older white guy <laughs> who hasn't sexually assaulted people as severely yeah. as the current old white guy who ha- it's like now we're really just getting <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah oh my god but he's leading yeah somehow you know, is it I, part of it because he's an older white man? I'm not sure what it is. I mean, when my wife and I were watching the debates, and it's, again, he seems like the nicest guy. And since I, like, it's the caucuses, um, I have, like, met him several times just uh-huh. at events because we yeah. go to a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. When we were kind of listening to some of his answers where he would squeeze, like, three answers into one short answer. And so when he's talking about, like, foreign policy, he puts, like, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Iran all into one packed anecdote uh-huh. and mentions Obama a couple of times. I was like, who, who is supporting this? Like, what are his policies? Like, yeah. how is this yeah. guy polling so well? Yeah. And he seems, you know, likable enough, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how, like, the next months play out, but I, I just can't see like Biden sustaining it just because there's like not as much energy sure. when the summer leading up to Trump's election, Michael Moore wrote this article and he's like, I think Trump's going to win because of the 10 person rule. Mm-hmm. Who would you tell 10 people about? He's like, I don't like Trump. I don't like most of the people that like Trump, but man, the people that do just talk about him yeah. all the time. He's yeah, like, yeah. nobody's talking about Hillary. Like nobody is posting the Facebook things about it. Nobody's trying to win anyone over to like Hillary's camp. Yeah. And so there kind of has to be like enthusiasm and you You think Pete has some of that. Yeah. I think Buttigieg has like some enthusiasm. I think Warren has like some enthusiasm behind it. had some, right? Like when he was against Cruz and then, yeah, (laughs) right. It feels like some of his momentum kind of tampered down a little bit. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know why, um, like Kamala Harris hasn't like taken off as much for some reason, even though, I mean, I like a lot of what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do wonder, I mean, you kind of, you remember that like Obama drummed up a lot of enthusiasm, but you also keep in mind that Obama played really smartly. I mean, Obama lost mm-hmm. New York, California and the Texas primary mm-hmm. running against Hillary. Yeah. So he lost the big States. Coincidentally though, he won the Texas caucus. And I only bring that up because the delegates go with the caucus, not the primary. Mm -hmm. And so when Obama and his team sat down, they decided that Hillary was probably going to win the big states and the media markets. And so Mm -hmm. they were going to have to mop up all the little states to make the math work against her. So they put people on the ground in like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Hillary didn't have people in any of those states. So they were getting 100% of the delegates in all these little states. And then with Texas, they knew it didn't matter if they lost the primary because the points went with the caucus. So they mm-hmm. focused on the caucus, won the points. And so Hillary like won the primary and that state was blue, but mm-hmm. Obama got the delegates. And so by the time it came around to towards the end, Obama had like, like boxed Hillary in. He had like won the math. Like, and 
that was the thing that made Obama great. Wasn't just like hope and change and inspiring language. Is that those guys like sat down and realistically looked at what they were going to win and what they were going to lose. And they knew they were going to lose New York, California because Mm -hmm. of like just money and exposure. Yeah. 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 So it's, you look back and kind of rewrite history as it was this wave and everybody supported Obama. Obama barely beat Hillary and he only did because he played a slightly smarter game than her. Not that he was going to be the candidate that was just going to overwhelm her. So you do have to look for somebody that is like inspirational, but is like, going to be practical about yeah. who their opponent is because you don't want to necessarily they like, do blame hillary Trump. that she didn't go to wisconsin right like there's a lot of jokes that are like yeah she would have won if she had like just got visited wisconsin yeah once. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everybody was surprised that trump won um but what do you make of iowa's swinging is that a good thing i mean it got obama right they voted for obama uh yeah so i mean we yeah that's what i always bring up is i was like hey whoa 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 before people denigrate the midwest uh new york and california picked hillary Mm -hmm. iowa picked obama Mm -hmm. so it but then now it's you know republican governor Oh, yeah. Republican, then obviously it went to Trump's way, right? Yeah, so it's wild thinking Obama won That's kind of like a clusterfuck of where you live, you know? You're like, oh, it seemed very progressive there, and then now it's like, bang. Yeah, Obama won by eight points, and Trump won by 11. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, like, surreal. You're kind of yeah. like, how does that happen? Although um, Cruz did win the caucus. That's, like, the only time I'll ever probably say, but remember, <laughs> Iowa voted for Ted Cruz. Yeah. So... Thank you, Iowa, for supporting <laughs> Ted Cruz. It's like it always be like our little asterisk. It's like, hey, don't blame us. We oh, wanted Ted Cruz shit. to be in there. The Zodiac so this killer. is exciting season for you then. So um, I heard that you love people suggesting shirts for you. <laughs> so I have one. Can't I have a get, couple. Can't get I know, right? I have one. This is my only one. I'm ready. Um, I'm sitting down. Okay, here goes. I'm going to start my own podcast. It's such a unique idea. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have a whole file of like podcast shirts which we I don't can know I can, has a podcast. I cannot tell you 75% of them otherwise people running podcasts would be like boycott. Yeah. <laughs> don't denigrate podcasters. Everybody has a podcast. It's a thing now. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like what being a DJ was in the early 2000s. Yeah. Like, people went from, if this were, like, the 90s, you'd be in a rock band. Yes. And if it were the early 2000s, you'd be a DJ. And if it were the later 2000s, you'd be a photographer. But now you're, like, a podcast. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm a photographer. I think the members of Pink Floyd, each of them have their own podcast. I and... get, yeah, I, you, you wonder how many hours are going into, like, podcasts. Now. Like, yeah. if you're going to sit down and listen to, like, every podcast, There's just gonna one episode. There's going to be billions. Oh, it's going to be insane. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming, man. I really appreciate it. Um, We should probably do it again sometime. Yeah, why not? And see how the the season went. Hopefully, uh, we see some good results in November. (laughs) And in 2020, we can talk about uh, the good old days when uh, Trump was uh, in charge. So I appreciate that you uh, are aware of, you know, uh, your privileges right that put you in a position and and you kind of go with that and you're like you know it you embrace it and you're not offended by it where some people would would feel i'm like well what's wrong with being white now you know is oh it yeah my fault? I so that resonates with me a little bit because 
you know, I really don't have an answer for that. You know, like uh, we're not, it's not that, it's not that minorities uh, or immigrants or, you know, they're, or blacks or whatever um, are blaming the white man. It's just like acknowledge that. Oh, and yeah. Then we can continue a conversation, you know, because if you if the person gets in a defensive and then just like, well, uh, it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the I mean, whether it's humor, whether it's like business, if you've got like blinders on, you are going to have a problem. So mm-hmm. it's like I said, if there is this area that you can't touch on because of you're like, well, I'll joke about anything, but not this, then you're not really maximizing uh, your like abilities. Mm hmm. And if you're not acknowledging how the world actually works and who is going to be able to get where with what, you know, you are not going to reach like your fullest potential. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even have to be this like magnanimous, like, well, let's, yeah, let's let uh, like minorities succeed because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, no, you don't have to do it just because of like graciousness. Yeah. You do it because it will lead to a better economy. It will lead to better results across the board yeah yeah so you you can do it out of like your own self-interest but if you don't acknowledge the way things are currently actually operating your odds of being able to like correctly solve it drop Mm -hmm. you know dramatically yeah and I, i have always just tried to be cognizant of being a part of like this greater community from like des moines to van meter where i grew up and acknowledging that you have like such a debt for everything that i have been you know, like given or all the opportunities already and that you are like working to like repay this debt, but it's not out of like guilt. It's this like satisfaction too. Yeah. that you want to be like, God, look at what I am like building in the community that has helped like nurture me. And the bigger it gets, the, f- the feeling that you are contributing like more mm. and more. And what is wrong with wanting to see like everyone succeed yeah. or what's wrong with w- wanting to see like the community get better. You yeah. know, it's just like, we all live here. You know, there is like so much that can be done and it's not like helpless. There is, you know, there's going to be more joy in seeing the community succeed than carving out like your own little kingdom and like holding on to everything like yourself. Yeah. And it's, so we always try to like keep that in mind and like the store just in general, we have this one teeny part of like the community and always try to like work towards it. And just this like gratitude towards, like everybody who shops there, everybody who works there, who has worked there in the past, um, even the people who have come in and clogged the toilet, you know who you are. <laughs> it's like, even you, even you're you. part of the community. <laughs> I'd like to talk about your diet. But so, yeah, we, I mean, we just appreciate like stuff like this. I appreciate you having me on it. Yeah, we'll like do it again sometime. Awesome, man. Let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at a toilet <laughs> joke. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much. So that was Mike Draper. Yeah. Sharp guy. Yeah. I like the, the whole uh, Dave Chappelle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think we should move on from that stuff. Yeah. But, um, uh, and we will move on. Mm-hmm. I just got it. Like, uh, uh, the way I was, you know, thinking about it, uh, even up to up until last week, mm-hmm. was, you know, he's not wrong about what he said, mm-hmm. you know, with you know the whole like his whole history with comedy central and Mm -hmm. whatever he's not wrong at all you know that's the beauty of listening to other other perspectives Mm -hmm. funny thing about when they you know talk about donald trump and uh, 
you know, I don't think it's a political thing. I don't think it is. I think it's more of a moral thing. What's not a political thing? Talking about Donald Trump, you know, or saying saying bad things about Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a political statement. To me, it's a moral statement. Yeah. Uh, because I feel that even people on the right should, you know, not feel good about this guy. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's just uh, you you could be a bad politician, you know, mm-hmm. and you could you could have bad policies and still be, you know, like it's a political thing right or like we i disagree politically but this is different and the fact that like a lot, there's a lot of people that don't recognize yeah they refuse like, dude I think it's different just like this shit is different man come on dude like if it was i don't know let's just say that the same thing you know like if we like turn her around and we're like some some wacky guy on on the left you mm. know and he's doing all the same like i think i I don't know. I think that is the difference. And when you when you guys were talking about like the whole branding thing, mm-hmm. no, I, I think he's right about it. He's mm-hmm. right about it because it, it, they stick to the message. Yeah, they stick to the message, and nobody, there's no there's no weak link. Mm-hmm. There's no one guy, you know, or two guys saying no, this is wrong. Like everybody, everybody gets in line. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, no matter how screwed up it is everybody gets in line yeah and that's the thing about the other side the other side you know like what happened with that guy from uh minnesota the comedian yeah him i sorry i don't know his name but yeah i know his name but it's like way in the back of my yeah he was on saturday night live and right so like that dude yeah of course you know like all the all those things happen and then we all were like nah dude Mm -hmm. like you're he had to he like, we don't yeah we don't we don't tolerate you know you know behavior like that i think that at some point here soon they're gonna have to kind of come to a real- realization of the decision they're about to make you know like does this guy deserve another four years um and like it's okay i mean i think people would need to start being like okay he tried it didn't it's not working that portion, there's a good chunk of people that did it just oh, well, because of, course, of the economy. Of course, you know, but but that's the di- that could make the difference, you know, because apparently, I guess Trump has a good chance of getting reelected, which is insane. Yeah, but even but but see, even me, like I see it, I see what they see. Right. When they look at like uh, the left, I'm like, yeah, I see it too, man. This is what I like. I I. That's what makes me crazy, man. That, yes, like uh, their their whole idea is to make everybody on the left cry. So it was nice to listen to this dude because <laughs> uh, I just don't hear it all the time. I don't hear yeah. it all the time. I don't hear it. Like I try to stay out of it. I think that it does. So the president of the United States, I used to think that it didn't matter, you know, what they say and what. But it does, like it trickles all the way in through like culture. That's why you have this, uh, you know, wave of emboldened, you know, people. And that, that is uh, true. And this is something that people should probably know that, like my niece and nephew, they're like twelve and thirteen, and they know about this stuff mm-hmm. because, dude, I was so lucky that I didn't know shit when I was twelve or thirteen. Yeah. I didn't know anything. I was enjoying my own privilege, my own version of privilege. Yeah. You know, whatever that is. Right. You know, uh, 
I mean, I know I have privilege. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of privilege. And uh, I was enjoying it. And sometimes even today, I, I just, you know what? I'm just not going to listen to all right. this bullshit. And I'm just going to go. Because I know that, you know, I'm not like immediately in trouble about anything. Right, right. You know, right. there's nothing, um, you know, super pressing that, that's going to affect me personally. So I'm just going to enjoy my privilege and not give a shit and unplug for, right, right, right. for a while. Um. But, like, the fact that, you know, little kids now, you know, little kids that I know, not just my niece and nephew, they're, like, fully aware mm -hmm. of, like, what's going on. Yeah. And then there's, like, uh, uh, there's, like, fear. You know, they, they're scared. You know, they're, they're like, damn. And like, it didn't used to be like that. Mm -hmm. No. It was, like, you know, you know, like, they've lost some friends. Yeah. And uh, I've lost some friends. People do. And the fact that kids know. And that you you just like took away that privilege of not knowing. Yeah. The privilege of ignorance. Yeah, yeah. At yes. that age, you know, it should have been like it. It should be nice of kids not knowing, like not, not worrying not about it. The bullshit, Let adults yeah. fucking deal with all that yeah. bullshit. You know. Well, just Maybe like I'm that. Wrong just too. like this. No, I think I think you're right because I don't remember being like fully caring about you know being an immigrant until like i don't know man like early 20s like that's when i started to be like oh you know because you know when bush and when clinton and bush were presidents i mean there was a lot of stuff going on but it wasn't in the psyche of like your being you know like this guy just came and just started to shit they're on not people. coming after you right or anybody you know right so you don't give a shit right and that's what like most people don't understand a lot of people don't understand that That they're like, yeah, I'm gonna vote for this fucking guy because, yeah. you know, all these like liberals. Yeah, I'm gonna vote for because it it's gonna it's gonna be so funny how they're yeah. gonna be crying all the time. Yeah, and like they don't know, like, dude, this is like, this is fucking with people, man. Yeah, this is like yeah. really messing with some people, you know. And that's what makes like me personally, you know, uh, I try not to be like, oh no, don't be like that, you know, but. Yeah, I can't help it, man. I can't help it, man. It's like I, I know I have friends, man, right. that are like directly affected by this. Yeah. I have friends and family that are directly affected. Yeah. And it, to me, it's not a fucking joke. You know, yeah. just because you want to make liberals cry, you know, you know, you took a bunch of kids' parents mm -hmm. who are citizens, like these kids are citizens. Yeah. And you just took away their parents, who is not like super pressing to take out. You know, like yeah. okay, sure they broke the law, man, but. Like, do you really need to come after them? Like, do yeah. you really need to make these children have no fucking parents? Yeah, completely like, change their like, life. Yeah, like, did, did these people rob a bank? Did they, like, what, did they rape somebody? Like, no, like, they, they're not people like that. Yeah. They came here to give. To me, that's perfectly, like, respectable. Yeah. If you came here and you broke the law to give your kids a fucking future, a, a shot. It's your right as to a me, human to fine. pursue a better life. Like, even though if it's here or in another land, like, you should right. be able and to Right, but see, that's the thing. Somewhere. Like, they don't, you know, they don't feel like it's your right. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that that's, like, oh, they shouldn't feel entitled to it. But that, there's another, like, hypocrisy right there. I mean, it's a long-ass... Uh... It's, yeah, it's for, like, another, another like, three or four episodes, <laughs> like, like three-part episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's bullshit, but... But we'll see. I mean, politics in a way, it's depressing. It's exciting because you feel like something can change, you know, like, okay, things can happen. 
maybe not, you know, all the way, but um, I don't know. My message would be to anyone that voted for Trump would say it's okay to be like, yeah, that was a bad vote, you know, look for another vote, like just somebody that's got some, some respect for themselves and for the people around them and for like people, you know, just like that. I personally consider myself very liberal, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like I see others taking it way like to another yeah. level, man. Way to another level, like, dude, calm down, man. You gotta meet people halfway. And that's, you know I, I mean? think that's part of the problem. It's too polarized. Either it's, you're yeah, one camp like, or another. Yeah, yeah. like, there's you no, can't, like, there's no in between. Yeah. Well, why can't you just be like a person, like a normal, like, hey, you know, like, there's another. How long is this fucking podcast? Like two hours? <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to be two hours all right well uh all right well i want to thank mike draper again for stopping by uh go check out reagan store <laughs> they have great shit hilarious stuff uh they're in chicago and kansas city i think and des moines iowa city so Cedar then they Rapids. got they got like um oh uh, never mind <laughs> yeah they got that oh uh, yeah They got this cool shirt that's like Shymoins. Shymoins. Shymoins is the the, the, like the Chicago and the Moines. The greatest imaginary city in the world. <laughs> I heard that. That's funny. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Mm. Do -do 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 -do.